On Tip That Scale, we've talked about career transitions, changes, and pivots in a tight and difficult job market. But it's not always easy for recruiters and hiring managers to see and embrace your vision and how your skills and talents transfer to a position outside of your typical role. That's where positioning comes in. Your tried and true personal branding statement and elevator pitch. And I guarantee you, it's not the same way you've been taught. Enjoy this episode of Tip That Scale. I went over to my friend's house that's also been looking for a job since last November. They had this other couple that came in. They didn't even know anything was wrong with the job market. The organizations that they were working at, they went through some layoffs, but they called it trimming the fat. When they said that, it generally irritated me a little bit, and I get it. You want to kind of conform to an agenda. There were some organizations that were just building out things or building products that weren't necessarily solving an issue or a problem. Those were the ones that were impacted the most. But in this conversation, they kept talking about pivoting to a different type of industry or a different type of trade. Coming from the TA space right now, we understand how ATS systems work. It's very difficult to get past that unless you know somebody in a specific role that's willing to give you a shot. For a lot of people, that's not necessarily the case. The other issue is that the ones that are probably going to find it the most difficult to find a job in this time period right now are people that are just now graduating right out of college, the ones that don't have any experience. Because a lot of organizations right now want some type of experience within the role that you're applying for. There's just not a lot of entry-level roles out there. They were talking to me about a role as a customer success management type, or even as a sales executive in one space. It's not like I can't do it. Right there in the job description, it says nine years of experience selling security products. Don't have that for the last 14 years, and specifically in TA. Now, I do understand the security space really well. And so I asked, I was like, are you willing to get my resume or at least set up a conversation with the person in charge of this? They're like, well, I can't necessarily do that because I'm not the person, I'm not that high up in the chain. I like, okay. I tried to explain that, you know, it's not just, it's very difficult because first you have to get through the ATS system. Then you have to go through the recruiting team to see if it's even feasible for them to even call you for something like that. So I guess the question is, if you were trying to transition into a different career, how do you do that? Today's experience. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the key. We can talk about entry level and we can talk about experience because they can be different. What I mean by that is to a lot of companies, a lot of hiring managers, entry level is say zero to two years of experience. Mm-hmm. It's and it's odd that way. I do believe that there are some there are some kids who graduated and they'll find jobs, especially if they do have some level of experience. And a lot of companies will look at it from that that perspective. What we're looking at is we have a lot of people who want to think that they want specialization. They want someone specialized. However, the the math ain't mathing. There's no rhyme or reason right now. When we started the podcast, we were saying, oh, here are the the tried and trues that you can do. But what we're faced with right now is there is no tried and true. There's no blueprint right now because people are scrambling for a a lot of different things. I would say if we're looking at kind of pivoting, it's almost, and I had a conversation with a neighbor about this. 
and it's it doesn't shock me. Trades are the hot commodity right now. Trade jobs are the hot commodity. Construction, electrician, and this is nothing new. I've seen this before. It is, it's cyclical. People will say, oh, I want this kind of white collar tech job sitting in an office job. And then trades go down. And then we find out that we need trades. We need welders. We need electricians. We need cobblers to work on shoes. Those minimal things that people have not given a lot of attention to. A lot of it is people want the apples to apples move. And I get it. As far as what you were saying with the couple that said, well, you know, how do you pivot? If you want to pivot into another department or industry, I'm going to continue to say this. So many people have one view of what this is. Apples to apples comparison. If you don't have this title, then you didn't do it which we know yep. that's that doesn't make any sense. But you almost have to paint the picture for people and explain to them the issue is, is hard to do on the front end unless you're talking to someone because of the exactly. ATS, because of the recruiter. Unless you have the hiring manager that's looking at the resumes, that's the difference. If you have a recruiter in the middle, I think a lot of things are kicked out to the side. A hiring manager that's looking at resumes they can typically see more about what's going on versus having a recruiter in the middle for a lot of positions. Well, because even the guy that I was talking to over this last, what was it, Tuesday, so when I met with him, right? Well, me and him started having a conversation in regards to what his role is and the products that they're selling. He realized real quick that I knew more, and he said this, he goes, you know more than 90% of the people that are on that team. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay, then how do I based on the experience that I've had, say that. And I said, the you got to understand, the first thing or the first barrier we have is this ATS that we're applying to. Second barrier we have is the TA or the recruiting teams that we're going to be having to talk to. Because even if the ATS kicks our resume into it, because, I mean, there are ways to get around the ATS. Some are more, quote-unquote, unethical, especially if the AI is looking at the resume first and then it's going through. But then you got to talk to the actual recruiter. So then the question lies is, what if you know all of these things and you're capable of doing these things, but you don't get a call pack or you don't even get the opportunity to talk about that? And then do you face the unethical aspect of it of, you know, revising your resume to reflect that experience? And I'm putting that in quotes because like, again, you'd have to change your title. You'd have to change what you were doing at the last roles that you were working at to even warrant a conversation. I'm not saying there aren't people that are doing that right now, but those people, we, I mean, you got to understand, you'll get caught because when they do start doing background checks and they start doing employment checks, you're going to be faced with a situation of, okay, you know all of this, you're more than capable of doing this, but you would have even gotten a shot if you didn't do this. What do you do? One of the ways is instead of changing the title of your, I'll use my last position, Instead of changing my title from a senior manager employer brand to say a uh, senior manager DEI, I would put senior manager employer brand and in part of the title DEI and other things. So it's not changing it. It's like how we do headlines, how we suggest headlines on LinkedIn. You have to add more context to 
that title for it to be visible. Doesn't mean that the ATS is gonna, is gonna see it, nor does it say that a recruiter who reads that resume even understands what that means. That's been my issue for the longest. And I, I mean, I often talk about how people are looking for that apples to apples comparison. I'll use DEI as an example. If you're applying for a director of diver diversity, equity, and inclusion, what they're looking for is a title that reflects that same thing. That's where I say too much is put on titles most often. If more recruiters are really open, this is where a cover letter would make sense. If a recruiter was reading cover letters. Now, I know there are some companies that ask for cover le cover letters. Are you going to read it? That's the problem with cover letters. I know some people, some hiring managers that actually do read cover mm -hmm. letters, but also their business is different. So it makes sense for nonprofits, for sure. It makes sense for higher education. It makes sense for some type, different types of agencies. So it's just hard. I think part of it is including it in as a title or even senior manager slash what that role also entail or a comparable title to what they're looking for, but making sure that you put exactly what you were up front. So I guess, okay, let's just use me for an example for a second. Let's just say even if I wanted to entertain a transition over to the sales role within whatever company. I know so much about the security space and I can sell those products because I know what those products do. How do I get by doing that? I'm just, I'm talking for like anybody else that's potentially looking to consider making a change or a career change. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. Well, uh, it's completely different from what we were doing right now. At the end of the day, TA is sales. It's like this weird right. arm within HR people that is sales. The only difference is our product is the people. Using you as an example. You almost have to switch, not switch, but add talent acquisition, a sales function of human resources. Because ultimately, talent acquisition is a sales function of human resources. So a there's that. Recruiters don't even know that. Right, of course. <laughs> but then the other thing when you're talking about, say, a, a security position or what you know about a particular product that's related to security, then this is how you paint the picture. How did you come across that knowledge base? Where did it come from? This is painting the picture. Was it tied to roles you were previously hiring for? That's the one. Were you working directly with the department and very closely with the department sitting in on meetings sitting in on their planning meetings so you can better understand the roles. Again, we're painting the picture because other people mm -hmm. can't see it right now. It's just a black dot uh, on a canvas. So you paint the picture. It's tying to the sales function. It's also understanding the knowledge base. Where did it come from? Did it come from some additional skills or interest? And if it's interest, this is what I would do, especially for a lot of people. And I was going to say this. I noticed this on someone's, on someone's LinkedIn or on their resume. We have that endpoint. My layoff happened here, but you don't put anything in between. If someone's looking at your resume, they just see the endpoint. But what have you been doing since? Again, tell the story. What have you been yep. doing since that time frame of you being laid off? I know people don't want to put freelancer if they're not freelancing or a consultant if they aren't consulting. 
But if they are taking classes, then that's something that you can put kind of your primary. It may not be a job that you're doing, but you need to put something there. It goes back to the gaps in, which I always had a problem with, with people saying, well, there's a gap in your employment history. And so this is before I knew what to put in those spots. Normally people are doing something. When I lived in Vancouver, I worked with an organization that helped women get back into the job market. A lot of them, mothers, they are out of the job market for a lot of different reasons, whether having children, raising children, abusive relationships. Here's a big one that's going on with a lot of people. A lot of people are taking sabbaticals to support moms and dads, their parents as caregivers, not just to moms and dads, but even children or family members. That's something that you can add to that space. What have you been doing? We aren't thinking about what we're doing in different times off from employment. But most of the time, folks are sitting on the couch eating bonbons and watching watching soap operas. They are busy. Stop looking at the titles and look at what skills are coming from those areas. So going back to you, if we're talking about how to move into a sales function, you have to paint the picture. But before you paint the picture to someone else, you have to understand what that picture looks like first. Yeah. I mean, so again, coming from the agency space, I know what, I know what that sales cycle is. I understand that. I understand the work that goes behind it. Hell, I've been in a sales function for Mm -hmm. the agencies that I worked for in the past. I understand how it works. If you're asking me to build it, I probably won't be able to do it right off the bat. But since I do have a technical background and I have an understanding of on the engineering aspect, yeah, eventually I can do that too. You're, you're absolutely correct. It's just that that first two levels that is a very big deterrent in regards to finding a job and people looking for immediate experience. But when they're talking about experience, are you talking about the experience of the per- that you've gained through other skills that yeah. allows you to do this job? Or are you talking about skills that, okay, I need someone that's been doing the exact same function for the last mm. however many years? That's essentially what I'm talking about. And then the other, it was very hard for me to explain that to them because it didn't make any sense. They probably, they never had to, they've never had to deal with it. This is normal. Whenever people have no, no reference point to something, then it's not real to them. We see this constantly. We see this from, this is a DEI race thing. People think black people are upset and like, why can't y'all be quiet? They just, that didn't happen. Just because it didn't happen to you, you have no reference point. The only reference point you have is me telling you about it. And because you haven't experienced it yourself, you don't think it's real. It's the same thing. They don't understand it. They just think that, oh, what I would do is X, Y, Z. Now, the other thing that a lot of people don't get, which is so funny, is when you know people. So a lot of people say, oh, well, you could just do this. No, I don't, because I don't know the same people that you know, because to them, it's it's easy. They have a network, and normally that network is not just them, but they know that type of network that's going to constantly talk about them in rooms that they're not in, and those are the people that will still hire them without them having any experience because it's more of on the referral friendship basis than anything else. So with that couple, they just don't have a reference point. It's just, oh, this is what I would do. 
Okay. But have you really thought about it? It's not always easy to make that transition. And it can be, honestly, it can be. If it were a different market, it would be a totally different situation. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Here's the other piece though, that it also deals with the perception aspect of it too. It's like, what have you been known for for the last however many years? Because you might have a very similar network. Okay, let's just take me or you, for instance, in, in the perspective. People have known me for the last 14 years of TA or staffing. And I may I, I have a lot of director buddies that are in the space of IT. I wouldn't say that they're great friends, but they're acquaintances or connections I've made through networking. But when they look at me, that's what they know me for. And so even if I was to approach them and say, hey, look, I want to try to get a shot into this space. Are you willing to give me a shot? In their mind, well, you don't have any experience. What have you done that relates to this? And then even if you do explain it to them, again, like you said, people are extremely linear in their thought process in regards to things like this until it happens to them. The thought of pivoting itself, it's very difficult right now. And so I've tried to like explain my experience like they, and they know just how knowledgeable I am in the tech space, even for somebody that's been in TA or even in staff and stuff. Before this market kicked up, they're like, why are you doing what you're doing? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? It's not easy for us to transition over into something like that. We can try and try and try and it just doesn't happen. Again, it's the current market. Yeah. If it were a different market, it would be easy because they would be more open to seeing synergies, looking at the background and making the connection. The other thing too is a lot of it that we're talking about relates to how do we move forward from here? When you were saying that your network know you within the TA space or the even people that you haven't worked with, how do they know you based on that? This is a, a conversation, a question that I always think about because it can define us. And then now we see it can also be limiting. When people say, what do you do? How do you answer that? Right now? No, no, no. In general. And let's just say in the last five years, when someone would ask, what do you do? How do you answer that? Well, I would tell them that my role is a value add to an organization in regards to their growth. And how do I help them grow? Well, I find the right talent for these different organizations or the right resources for certain projects in order for them to do that. When they start talking to me, they realize it. From the, our particular space, it's very difficult to say, okay, well, I can I do this, this, and this. But they realize very quickly when I do start talking about my trade just how passionate I am about the technology and how much I know about it, how it works, how it operates. And the reason they know me or they remember me is because I'm that person that they can call and within two to three days, I've got a few candidates lined up that are going to hit. Let me back up. Let's just say you're at a mixer or a professional association mixer. You're meeting a lot of people because of course, in these situations, that's what happens. And people want to know. They want to know for a number of reasons. When they say, well, hey, AJ, I'm Nicole. So tell, you know, tell me about yourself. What do you do? People will ask a couple of questions in that situation. They'll say, where do you work or what do you do? When you answer that question, because you only have a small window of time to answer it, how do you answer that question? Something do, you, the lines they... do you go to the title? No, I talk about the space that I'm in. Again, titles don't mean a lot to me. And the reason is... No, no, no. no and I'm, what I mean, what I mean, it's not necessarily that it's about what they, what they mean. Sometimes we talk about titles because <clears throat> we define ourselves based on our title 
because that's the only way that someone will understand what the role is. They are so accustomed to the title. Going back to your group and thinking about how they only know you within this space, the only way they can know you within that space is if you position yourself to them within that space. Yeah. So, I mean, basically what they tell them is, is like, you know, I am within the resource management talent acquisition space and I lead global teams or I've led global teams specifically to help companies grow. It's that elevator pitch. You have about 15 seconds to catch somebody's attention. And then the, it gets a little bit different. I mean, the conversation goes differently. And then they start thinking about like their own internal TA teams, especially if they're in a leadership role. And they go, man, I hate the team that I've got or blah, 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 because they can't do this. And then it opens up the window for me to say, well, you need somebody that can come in and train that team to kind of help understand what your product or what your technology is. So it makes your life a lot easier when they're searching for people. Honestly, I've gotten so many clients that way. I've landed a lot of clients doing it that route. And the reason is, is it, it opens up the window for them to start questioning just how much you know. But what I'm still hearing, you've once again, even with what you just said, you funneled yourself within that TA space. You didn't really, you talked about value add and it's interesting, but what I'm thinking about is if you, and this is for anyone who wants to move forward, don't lead with what you do, don't lead with your title and don't lead with the basic foundations of what you do. Lead with your skills that support that. So if you said instead, I leverage a background in sales operations and relationship management to support organizations and find the talent that they need. And you can take that same top level and pivot and move that into a whole nother department. I leverage sales operations and relationship management to help organizations find funding. I just moved that into nonprofit. I leverage sales operations and relationship management to promote products using videography. Hey, James, my friend, James O'Leary. So again, I just took the same three points and I've moved them from three different areas. What I mean by that, you're leading with the skills it takes to do that, not just what you do. Makes sense. I mean, I help clients do this, but I also have to do this for myself. And I try to do it at least twice a year. It's not my elevation, my elevator pitch. It's my mission statement. I help individuals and organizations limitless to be limitless. That's very high arching. So then the question is, how do you do that? Through relationship management, storytelling, and discovery. And it, it changes based on what I'm thinking about. But relationship management, discovery, storytelling, that talks about employer branding, that talks about DEI, that talks about internal communication, that talks about employee engagement, even talks about coaching. So what I've done was I've taken that mission statement and all of that falls underneath. Mm -hmm. We're taught, unfortunately, to flip it. We're always taught to lead with what we do. And a lot of people do. I'm a salesperson. I sell, I sell advertising. I do marketing for specific company. We know marketing is very layered. So what does that mean? 
I'm in customer success. Well, what does that mean? What is customer success? Because it means so much to so many different people. The key is to find out what it means at the organization that you're applying to. We can easily talk about what is the problem that you're trying to solve in Mr. or Mrs. organization. What is it at the crux of what you do? You were saying that you help you said, you know, global teams save money, value add. What's the real meat of it? It's not just about value from a talent acquisition standpoint. It is about, and this is from my view, it is about having conversations to find the right fit that will solve the problems that an organization or a particular team is having. I would say it's more team than organization. And you could always take that and add into that statement, whatever it is, whether it's building a car, building a plane, building a train or building a phone, instead of being specific there, and we're being more general, instead of being specific, oh, it's a phone. Well, if it's a phone, that means you can't do refrigerators, or if it's a phone, you can't do microphones. So what you say is for OEMs. Mm -hmm. over overarching. So then you can pull in a particular industry within that. A lot of what you focus on is technology, but we know technology means a lot of different things to different people. And yep. there are different roles in that, visualizing it. When you have a whiteboard, how do you put the words on the whiteboard and how do you connect that to what it means, looking at it from different perspectives. What are my key skills? What are my key talents? Who do I normally serve? Who's my primary audience? Who's my secondary audience? Who's the audience that I want, the customers that I want? So it really is a SWOT analysis for yourself. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are the opportunities and what are the threats? And then when you acknowledge that, you can talk about it based on the key points, not just in strengths, but then tie in the opportunities. That's how I would approach it. Yeah. Good. Because ultimately people just, people really look at things from one dimension. They look at it from the what's in it for me. So mm -hmm. you actually have to, you have to share it. I've been telling a lot of people this lately. You have to paint the picture for them because they can't paint it on their own. It's almost like paint by numbers. You have to paint the picture because they can't see it. I would say for you, AJ, and for anyone, think about largely how everything you've done connects and then how do you talk about it from the standpoint of a mission statement, a branding statement. This is what I do, but put it in bite-sized pieces because if you make it too broad, people don't understand it put in bite-sized pieces with keywords that don't lie, but with keywords that are relatable. Yep. Good combo. After listening to this episode, how will you answer the question, what do you do when you're asked? It's more than an option for a seamless pivot. It can help you think about the endless options available to you as you navigate your career path. Now, as always, we ask that you like, follow, and subscribe to Tip That Skill. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And better yet, engage with us. 
send us a DM. Let us know how you're positioning yourself now that you've learned a different way to answer that question, what do you do? Thank you.